Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Thursday, April 13th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, here we are. Here we are. A big Thursday night show. Thursday, April 13th, 2023. Um, speeding right through the week. Speeding right through another week. You know, I can't go one day without being totally disgusted. Really, just like totally disgusted about the world around me. And of course, the city I'm living in here in San Francisco. There is no good news here. There isn't. And like I've said to people around the country who listen to this podcast and watch the news and see all these stories lately that are coming out of San Francisco. I mean, there was a time when most people around the country really didn't even know who the mayor of San Francisco was. And this was brought up nationally with uh, Pete Buttigieg. People made the point that normally most Americans, unless you're really into politics, don't even know who the transportation secretary is. You, they, you don't know. Because usually that person is low-key, just does their job, isn't in the news, isn't fucking up all the time. And because Pete Buttigieg is such a disaster... Um, you know, a uh, identity politics hire disaster that people know who he is. Simply, people know he's the transportation secretary. Obviously, he ran for president, so people know his name. But people know he's the transportation secretary because he's always in the news, because he's always fucking up. And the same thing goes for mayor of San Francisco. There are people around the country who know London Breed's name. Yes, it's an odd name, but people know it, and they usually don't. Uh, there are some people out there who didn't even know that Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco, all right? Because really, when Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco, he didn't get that much national publicity. But London Breed is because things are so bad. So people around the country are hearing about the crime, the violent crime, which has spiked, oh, about 20 percent. I have all the numbers. I'll talk about them in a bit. Um, and of course, the worst kind of crime, which is spiking in all cities, which is like robberies, carjackings, car theft, grand theft auto, that kind of stuff, which also matters, by the way. Someone doesn't have to be killed in order to be a violent crime. I, I believe all crime is violent because if you rob a store, technically that's not considered a violent crime, but it is because enough of those robberies cause the stores to close. Which, which destroys a small business, which destroys jobs, which destroys lives. So that's violent crime, okay? Carjacking, you're taking away someone's way of getting to work, making a living. That's, that's, that's violent crime. All crimes are violent, not just murder. But we know that murder, along with everything else, has been going up here in San Francisco and around the country in Democrat-run cities. So what these Democrats are doing is they're trying to deflect. They know their voters are morons because they keep on getting elected, right? If the voters want, look, people get mad at me when I say this, but it is the voters' fault. They elect these people and they elect them over and over. No matter how many of their friends are dying, they elect them over and over again. No matter how many of their businesses are dying, they elect them over and over. So if you're a Democrat politician, you know the voters are assholes. You know they're morons. And you can easily pull the wool over their eyes. You know this because they keep on electing you. 
and you know you're an idiot, you know you're a moron, you know you're a no-good son of a bitch, and they keep electing you. So you know you could easily fool them. So what happens is London Breed goes on like Jon Stewart. She goes on other shows, and she blames Donald Trump. She knows that. She knows that's a bell whistle, right? That's a that's a, 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 a smokescreen uh, whistle to, to say Donald Trump. Right away, that gets all the Democrats riled up. Their Trump derangement syndrome goes into fucking overdrive. You know, what's amazing is these people in cities like San Francisco, all these liberals, they all have therapists. They're all in fucking therapy. They should be. But they should be in therapy for their Trump derangement syndrome. But they can't be because their therapists are as fucked up as they are. So they can't talk about that because the therapist it's like being a schizophrenic and going to a therapist who's also a, a, a schizophrenic. What, what, what good's that going to get you? You're both nuts. So these people have all, they all have therapists. They all have $200 fucking dollar an hour therapists. They lay on the couch and they get psychoanalyzed once, twice, three times a week. Yet they have this Trump derangement syndrome. And the politicians know that. The Democratic politicians know that. So they just, they say Donald Trump. And it's like, it is immediately, it's almost like the Manchurian candidate, right? Wasn't there like a phrase or something? And the people hear it and all of a sudden they become zombies. That's what it is. It's like the Manchurian candidate. People like London Breed, no, like Joe Biden, uh, KJP, Christine Jean-Pierre, they all know. All they have to do is say Donald Trump. And all of a sudden, oh, it kicks in. And the Democratic zombies say, yeah, it's Donald Trump's fault. We're going to reelect you because it's not your fault. And so she goes on these shows, this moron, and she says this. It's Donald Trump's fault that San Francisco is a shithole. And Democratic voters believe it. Okay. Enter Brooke Jenkins, the new DA, who was handpicked by London Breed. No one brings up that London Breed handpicked a black woman, so she's not recalled because the voters in San Francisco, as ballsy as it may have been to recall Chesabudin, they would definitely, they'll recall a white guy, but they wouldn't dare recall a black woman here. So she puts in Brooke Jenkins, who's a total disaster, worse than Chesabudin. She's worse. She's worse. And, uh, what happens is crime continues to go up, of course, because when you're an affirmative action hire, you're a loser. You don't have the qualifications to do the job. That's not how you got it. You didn't get there by being this tough as nails district attorney who's going to go after criminals. So, of course, crime's going to go up. I could have predicted that. I could have predicted that. There are a lot of ignorant people here who thought things would get better and they then they haven't. OK. Just like ignorant voters of New York thought crime would get better if they elected a black guy named Eric Adams and things have gotten worse. We can go over this over and over again, that that the identity politics, affirmative action hires are going to destroy the country. Getting worse, not getting better. It's getting worse. So what happens is a guy named Bob Lee, who was a uh, tech giant, created Cash App. We all have Cash App, was brutally stabbed and murdered a couple of weeks ago. Right. So. Because there's so much random, anonymous, violent crime here, meaning people who don't know the person they're killing. That's 99.9% of the crime here. Um, we Everyone just assumed it was another random killing. Another random, senseless killing. Someone walking by killed the poor guy, okay? But because it was a big tech giant, it became a national story, right? So it became a national story. 
about the crime going up in San Francisco and how dangerous it is to live here. And they went on the streets and they talked to people. And the people said, yes, I used to love this city. Now I don't know if I want to live here anymore. We know that about 10%, at least 10% of people here left over the last year and counting. We know all this, right? But now the national media is really starting to talk about it because Bob Lee, who is now trending on Twitter as I talk to you, was killed. Okay. So fast forward a couple of weeks now. And and it seems as though allegedly in this case, um, Billy, Bob Lee did know his killer. There was some, it was another tech person and they were riding around before in a car. They had some kind of an argument. It's assumed it's alleged and the guy stabbed him. Okay. So it turns out that allegedly we don't know all the facts yet. The person hasn't been convicted yet. Uh, but allegedly, it looks like this might be a case. This 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 might be a case where he knew the person who was killed knew his attacker. Sometimes it happens. Now, what happened automatically? The knee jerk moron left liberal politicians and and people in the media, okay, all of a sudden jumped on Elon Musk and the uh, news outlets. Uh, particularly the the uh, non-DNC-owned news outlets, and said, oh, look, they have egg on their face now. These people actually shot their load. Listen to this now, including Brooke Jenkins. I want you to understand what we're dealing with here. We have a district attorney of San Francisco overlooking a crime-ridden city, okay, where crime continues to go up, actually being excited and happy about the outcome of a man's murder. I'll say it again. She's excited and happy about the outcome of a man's murder and that it supposedly, allegedly, maybe wasn't a random attack. It was someone he knew. Okay? I want this to sink in for a second. I want this to sink in for a second. And then immediately she went to gaslighting as though, oh, crime isn't bad in San Francisco. The right wing media was just making this up because this guy was killed by someone he knows. So if someone's killed by someone there knows, that's okay. That's great. Um, you know what? Here's a memo to Brooke Jenkins. That's still fucking murder. Okay. It's still a murder. Plus it's an isolated incident where someone knows the person that killed him. You know that you witch, you know that because you're the fucking district attorney here. So if you do your job, you'll know that 99.9% of the violent crime in the city is still random, anonymous, violent crime. Crime that happens in the committing of a burglary or a robbery or whatever it may be. But this one case may not have been anonymous. It may not have been a random act. And that means that there's no crime in San Francisco, that we're overplaying that. This is the extreme gaslighting. So wait a minute. In this case, they're not blaming Donald Trump. Hey, you know, in one case, they're not blaming Donald Trump. They're blaming Elon Musk. They're blaming the techies who brought this up. They're blaming the people who are in the tech business. And, of course, 
Elon Musk is their is their is their new pinata is the new pinata of the left. They loved him. All right, they were getting on their knees, opening their mouths for him for years with the SpaceX and the Tesla and the electric cars. Now he's the fucking pinata of the fucking ignorant, hypocritical left. Okay, and now they're blaming him and his tech friends for making it a big deal. For making it, for, for thinking it was probably a random act. Why, Brooke, would they think it was a random act? Because 99% of the murders here are random acts, you fucking idiot! Do you see what I have to deal with here? Do you see what I have to deal with here? Daniel, how did she blame Trump? She, who, who we're talking about? London Breed? London Breed blamed Trump by saying that Trump said that San Francisco was a shithole, okay? And that, and that uh, message, that narrative took hold, okay? That Donald Trump was shitting on San Francisco and that narrative took hold and it's a fake narrative. So it's his fault. That's how she blamed Donald Trump. But who cares how she blamed Donald Trump? They always make it, they pull it out of their asses anyway. They totally pull it out of their asses. Let's read some real statistics. All right. Homicide is up 20%. Okay. 20% 20% in San Francisco, okay? While the population has declined by, they said 8%. When the city tells you 8%, it's probably 28%. Believe me, I live here. It's not just 8%. And that's another thing that burns my ass. These people who say, oh, crime's not that bad here. Crime's not that bad here. These liberal elitist pricks on their fucking perches, all right? While people here on the city, on the streets, if you talk to people, they say they're concerned. The people here are afraid to walk down the street, okay? That's real. That's not made up. That's not made up. So when the media tells you crime isn't that bad, they're full of shit. When media tells you the population declined by eight, add another 20% to that. Because people on the street, people who live here like myself, know that people left here in the droves, in the hundreds of thousands, they left. There's nobody fucking left here, okay? Half the businesses are closed. Half the people are gone. Homicides are up by 20%. Once again, that's a city-stated number. So it's probably twice that amount, okay? So people are leaving San Francisco. People are leaving California because of the increase, not just in violent crime, but the homelessness, the drug deaths, property crimes, addictions, fentanyl on the street. And yet, Brooke Jenkins would like to gaslight you into believing because Bob Lee was allegedly killed by someone he knows. That means it's all made up that crime is bad here in San Francisco. It's all made up that San Francisco is a crime-ridden, shit-ridden, piss-ridden shithole. This is the gaslighting because she knows the voters here will believe her. They'll believe her. They're just looking for an excuse not to blame the Democrats. They don't want to believe the reality that the Democrats have killed the fucking city. The Democrats have killed every city they run in this country. And they'll look for any excuse to not believe that. Any excuse to not have to believe that. They blame Donald Trump. They'll blame Elon Musk. They'll blame the techies. These people are so fucking dumb. I'm sorry to yell, but I'm not sorry. More numbers. Once again, these numbers are provided by the city. 
These numbers are provided by the government. So add, always add to that. The only number we needed to subtract from is the COVID death. That was probably about 2% of what they told us. All right? Because everything the government feeds us is fucking lies. It's fucking their narrative. It's to help their narrative. So understand that. Take these numbers with a grain of salt. Okay? But these numbers are bad enough on their own. Okay? Yearly homicide totals for the 15 most populous Bay Area cities. So here we go. Okay. We have Oakland. Forget Oakland. Oh, shit. Forget Oakland. From 68 in 2018 to about 120 now. Okay? 120. However, if you, if you truly believe that only 120 people were killed so far. Well, actually, all of last year in Oakland, you're an ignorant fool. Just as you're an ignorant fool, if you believe only 56 people were killed in San Francisco last year. But still, these numbers are all up. They're up in Oakland. They've doubled in Oakland. They've gone up in San Francisco. They've gone up in San Jose. They've gone up in smaller places like Vallejo, Richmond, Fairfield, Santa Rosa, Hayward, the entire Bay Area, okay? The entire Bay Area led by Oakland and San Francisco. And yet, they want to gaslight us into believing that it's not a problem here. Violent crime, it's all made up, that violent crime. And once again, these are just homicides. These are just homicides. These aren't crimes that have destroyed businesses. These aren't, these, are, these aren't crimes that have destroyed lives, that have destroyed livelihoods, okay? That have destroyed the quality of life, all right? Add all of that together, and the numbers are actually through the roof. They're astronomical. You would not believe what they are. You would not believe what they are. And remember, as I've said, all crimes are violent. All crimes. That's why I don't believe the bullshit about white-collar crimes not being violent. Of course they are. When you steal money from a person, when you bankrupt their, their 401k, when you, when, you, when you totally take all the money out of their bank accounts, that's a violent crime. It's violent. You don't have to put your hands on someone for it to be violent or take away their life for it to be violent. All of this crime is violent. It's all violent. Hey, hey, what does Brooklyn say about that homeless person that just beat that guy over the head, the former fire commissioner that broke his fucking skull in about three places? Huh? Was that uh, not random? Did he know the guy? Was he in love with the guy? That was totally random. Like 99% of the crimes here are random. Yet one, one high profile crime might not, might not be random. And they gaslight us into believing that means we've made it all up. We've made the whole thing up. Once again, what bothers me is that these people can lie like this because the voters are so fucking stupid. These people couldn't do this. If these people tried to do this in a place where the voters and the citizens were not stupid, where they were strong minded, they wouldn't do it. They'd be afraid to do it because they'd be afraid they'd be tarred and feathered. They'd be afraid of the pitchforks. OK, they'd be afraid of that. But they're not afraid of that because they know the voters are fucking ignorant lemmings. So they get away with this lying. And they get away with it because the media here, the left-wing media here, carries their water for them. One left-wing San Francisco faux politician, enemy of the people, 
reporter, journalist, in quotes, after another, has said the same thing today. They actually said, losers like Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez, who's been a reporter here since the beginning of time, said, oh, that we owe, we owe, we owe, who I don't know, an apology. We owe the city. We owe Brooke Jenkins and London Breed an apology for assuming this was a random act of crime because 99% of crimes are random acts of crime. This is London Breed and Brooke Jenkins is owed an apology. Not the, not the family of Bob Lee, not the people who live in San Francisco and have to worry about fucking being killed and robbed on a daily basis. No, those aren't the people that need to be apologized to. We need to apologize to Brooke Jenkins and London Breed. This is the fucking fake media here. Once again, when Donald Trump said that the media was the enemy of the people, it's the most honest thing he has ever said in his life. Daniel, how's it going? Daniel, are you there? Daniel. Calling Daniel. Are you uh, there, Daniel? There you are. I'm there you here. Are. Hearing you loud and clear, buddy. How's it going? Especially on the loud part. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you going to do? <laughs> My voice has two levels. Low <laughs> and loud. That's it. Um. Hey, well, I'm right there with you on the on the anger level. Um, um, the the violent crime isn't just a crime, and in, in the violent crime in the in the city isn't just crime of uh, where they use weapons that are guns or bricks or uh, a crowbar. Is that a commissioner that was fire former fire commissioner that was um, attacked last week with a crowbar and sent to the hospital? Um, it's it's also uh, drug deaths. Um, every one of these um, overdoses that we see in this city uh, is there is is violent crime. That the, the, these are murders committed by people selling a product that they know is potentially going to kill these people. And every every one of them should be counted as a as a murder in, in this state, mm -hmm. in this and, and in this city. There were approximately in um, 2017, there were 36 fentanyl overdose deaths in San Francisco. In in 2018, 89. Fast forward to 2020, about 540. Uh, fentanyl deaths in 2020. Um, if you count all overdose deaths, the, rather than increasing that dramatically, it was by a, still a factor of three. That is 300% increase from 2017 to 2020. Don't tell me, Mayor Breed, that, uh, that the problem isn't as bad as we think it is. Every single one of those deaths Every single one of those deaths was a violent crime. Every single one of yes. those deaths was a murder. Right. Murdered by the drug dealers that she just allows to yep. operate in the tenderloin. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It's violent crime. Yet they will not they will not list it as violent crime. They will not admit it's violent crime. But of course it's violent crime. When you poison a child, when you poison anybody, but especially a child, it's violent crime. It's violent crime. I don't understand. Let's go back to let's go back to and by the way, these fentanyl, these aren't they're not overdoses. You know how important language is, Daniel, right? They yep. call them overdoses all the time. They're not overdoses. 
they're poisonings, okay? Yeah. So let's go back to the Shakespearean days when people were being poisoned. It was kind of violent crime. Shakespeare always depicted the poisoning as a pretty fucking violent act. So yes, this is violent crimes. Poisoning are violent crimes. And let's use that word all the time when we're talking about fentanyl. They're not overdoses. They're poisoning because people, especially children, don't know they're taking it. I agree totally. And I agree with the with that uh, your um, suggested change of language. Uh, that this it 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 um, puts a a smiley face on something that should not have a smiley face. Uh, this is it, it's it's ridiculous. Um, and it it, um, it it just sweeps under the the carpet how the, the the degree of 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 immorality that is uh, issuing from uh, the um, mayor and uh, and the uh, sob the or the, sorry the bos the <laughs> the, the board of supervisors uh, <clears throat> a little Freudian slip there um, and. <clears throat> We, 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 we just can't tolerate it. We can't tolerate their, their, their distortion of language on a number of fronts. And this is a very important one. Um, shifting topic a little bit, I wanted to just ask you if you um, saw the um, crazy ass um, uh, Biden interaction the other day with uh, this child that asked him about a uh, secret to success. Did you see that yet? No. What's this one? How do I, how do I, how do I miss it? Well, it's it's a it's another sign and a very important sign that our president um, mind is on its uh, its last legs. Uh, mixing mixing weird metaphors there, but um, he the, this child asked him what are what what's the steps to success, and Biden responds, "Oh well, well we got we've got to cut down on the transmission of COVID." <laughs> This was three days ago. What? And, and, yeah, yeah. He responds, it responds as though it's 2020. That's he, insane. He's, I know. Did he just, who knows? I can't, yeah. I can't figure it out. And so, his, so Hunter Biden, who is there with him, steps in and he says, no, I, I think he's asking what's the key to success. So Biden says, oh, and I'm paraphrasing here, says, well, you can criticize uh, someone for um, – uh, um, having bad judgment, but don't criticize their motives. And I'm thinking, what the hell does that have to do with success? So I, so I looked up that phrase that he said, and he's repeated it over the years. I, I counted like five times that I, that I found it appearing in various speeches within minutes, just Googling Biden um, question uh, um, uh, motives and judgment. I use those four four keywords, and I found them used multiple times. So this is what's going on with this this uh, man's demented brain right now. Right. He he's, he's, he is um, showing very clear signs of uh, dementia, um, possibly of the Alzheimer's type, because he is losing his short term memory. So he is, you know, it's as though 2022 and 2021 are kind of wiped out of his memory at this point. He's responding to this child's question and talking about COVID when he himself the other day signed an order saying that the state, the uh, state of emergency in the, in the U.S. is over. So so he is he's clearly, clearly has problems with his short term memory. And when to, and when Hunter 
um, clarifies for him, he responds with something and, and does something that you can see a lot in, in the people that have dementia. They just kind of blurt out something that they're used to saying, that they're familiar with saying, that they've said many, many times before. I saw it happen with my, with my father um, as he was um, heading downhill from dementia. Um, and, and that's what Biden did here. He just blurts out this favorite go-to phrase that he has that he has said so many times, this thing about questioning one's judgment, um, not motive. And uh, it's just it's scary to watch this. Um, there, there, no, no one needs to, like I've been saying, no one needs to worry about him running in 2024. It's simply not going to be possible. Um, but it's scary to know that for the next year and a half or so, we're going to have somebody that um, really, for the first time, it would be the first time, wouldn't it, that that um, if they were to um, try to remove him from office um, using the 25th Amendment, wouldn't that be the first time? Has anyone ever done that before? No, I think I think it'd be the first time. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but that can be a really soon. That can be a very serious question. Well, it's you know this is not going to happen because the vice president has said we've talked about this they talked about this with trump right the democrats were talking about doing the 25th on trump and uh, that mike pence would never do it and kamala harris will never do it. it has to be initiated by the vice president and actually signed on by i think a certain percentage of his cabinet so i don't think remember they they truly believe he's great they think he's they think he's they think his IQ is 200. They think he has the mind of a 30 year old. This is what they truly believe. So, look, the fact of the matter is, let him deteriorate even more and run for reelection. That's all. Let him deteriorate even more and run for reelection. Although I, I did see some poll which said I have to go back and look at it. I just read very quickly. And once again, it's early that RFK Jr. could give him a run for his money. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen those polls as well. Yeah, but 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 Mike, the deterioration is just going to be so bad. But by the time uh, the election rolls around, it's it's it really it's just going to be it's going to be awful. Um, I just I just can't see anyone if if the Democrats um, and I just cannot believe this as I said before, if the Democrats just don't see clearly that he is simply not going to um, make it. Uh, uh, his mind is not going to make it to 2024 and don't see clearly the problematic um, uh, position that they're in with respect to running a campaign that everyone would know you're really campaigning for his vice presidential candidate. And that's something that's never been done before in history. Um, I just I just can't imagine that the Democrats for more than a couple more months at the at the max, maybe even one more map, one more month. Uh, aren't going to make it clear at some point that Biden is not going to run. Whether he admits it, whether the White House admits it or not, I think that the Democratic pundits out there and the DNC is going to, to tell us, no, he's not running. We're not going to back Well, he also him. said Edward, something Edward. today, Ian Miller on Twitter, where he said, let's go lick the world. Let's get yeah. it done. What was that yeah. all about? Yeah, lick I don't the- know. Maybe him and uh, what? Uh, oh, the... the- Dalai Lama? Yeah, the Dalai Lama. Yeah, maybe maybe they've been exchanging notes. <laughs> well, one likes to suck young boys' tongues, and one likes to smell young girls' hair. So they yeah, maybe yeah, they're maybe they're a team. Maybe they're a team. 
Yeah, licking and sucking tongues. That's what they're they're most up. That's what's going on in these people's brains at this moment. Yeah, his his he he is in as serious. He's in more serious trouble than far more serious trouble than Ronald Reagan was during the um, last debates that he had um, before his his final term, where it was clear to at least observers like myself that he was um, uh, starting down the road of Alzheimer's dementia. Yeah, but you, you, um, once again, but you can't you can't underestimate the Democrats' blueprint, their playbook, which worked in 2020 and worked last year with Fetterman, which is just hide them. You hide them. That's you all. can't not you're not he's not going to be able to hide this. I mean, look, look, look at Fetterman. <laughs> I mean, they're trying to hide Fetterman, but uh, no, it's no, certainly not I, working. I'm just saying both elections, they were both hidden and they they both won. You know, yeah, so that's won, the yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. But that was when he still had half a brain. He's going to have <laughs> one tenth of a yeah. brain. By the well, time. I'm going to stick to what I said and that behind the scenes has been worked out. A deal has been made that Newsom's going to run and Biden's not. And that's what's going to happen. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's uh, the more likely alternative. Um, yeah. um, and it's going to be interesting, really interesting. The fact that uh, RFK Jr. is is in this race, especially because he most likely be running it as, as a Democrat, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's, no, he is. He's running as Democrat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he hasn't officially announced yet, I believe. No, he announced I, I thought he hasn't have done the official announcement. I thought he's just been kind of making it clear, but hasn't done the announcement. Well, I guess he filed his papers, which usually means you're running if you file papers. But I don't. I, I you know what I heard today? This is this is if you want a real laugh, a real guffaw. I heard that Mitt Romney filed papers. <laughs> there you, you go. Want, he wants That's to a, lose for the tenth time. <laughs> yeah, he filed his papers. He's actually thinking about running. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you, yeah. Can you believe yeah. this? This, yeah. is, this That's is crazy. I don't this... think we'll ever hear an official announcement from him. I mean, I, mean, I just really can't believe that he wants to get in and disgrace himself by another loss. It's just, um, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's a yeah. you, know, you know. Once again, it's really sad that most people can't see that Ron DeSantis is the perfect candidate. He is. He's the perfect candidate. You know, and yeah. it's it's it's, 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 it's a, we, it shows what a clown car world we live in, clown car country we live in where people just can't seem to, they can't put their egos aside and see that. I understand that people allowed to run, you know, contested primaries are always good. Get you ready for the big fight. But it's just, it's ridiculous that more people can't just admit to themselves that DeSantis is the guy and he's the best candidate possible. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's it just goes so deep. I mean, just think of what happened during COVID and, and how... You know, if you talk to anyone that, you know, had any reasonable sort of biological background, you could still find, I mean, talk to somebody who is pretty biologically literate. You could still find amongst that group people that were just so convinced that lockdowns and masks and uh, these really shitty vaccinations were appropriate actions um, to, to, to take. Um so, so, so even though you know DeSantis is clearly the the, the superior candidate um, of those that have, have been out so far, people are just so locked in. They're just so locked into their tribes, and they make so much, so much of their decision making making is the result of wanting to stay in that tribe and signaling to that tribe that you're still a member. Um, oh. 
that I mean, it's just amazing that, you know, I've mentioned this before. One of the most important things that I've learned in the last three years um, since COVID began is the degree to which um, people make decisions uh, for social reasons um, versus those that make them rationally. And it's I, I just never had a good feeling of that until 2020. Uh, it's, but it's just one of those lessons that I wish I could have gone through life without learning because it really can, can really depress the hell out of somebody, mm. especially especially someone like myself um, being a scientist. And, and I, you know, I think that I should be able or would hope that I should be able to reason with people and, and, and use rationality. But now I have this understanding of this, you know, this really, really difficult uphill fight that it, it's it's about so much more than being rational. It's about changing their um, their social structure. You're basically so many arguments that people make with respect to the the, the various uh, um, uh, um, uh, issues that uh, are talked about uh, typically in the media. Yeah. Some of the decisions that people make around that is just, you know, it's just all, to, to, so much of it is just based on wanting to stay in their tribe. And, and it's just so frustrating because, you know, how do you, how do you convince people who are so damn tribal? I mean, you, you, we're taught all through through school, all of us, you know, to, to make to make your best argument, to use reason. They talk about the, the period of enlightenment. Yeah. And, and and here we find out in 2020 how just people's minds are just locked into tribal protection. And it's it, and I just never understood that. Well, and to the point, now, and by the way, Gator, if you've noticed, he wants to come on and talk, but he wants me to leave you on. So he wants to say something. We'll do that. We'll do that. Um, oh, but, I'm, 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 I think I'm done. I'd like to hear what Gator has to well, say. Well, Gator says he wants to talk to you. But he wants to ask oh, you Oh, he wants to talk to me. Yes, not me. What do you want to talk to me well, for? That's, I want to talk to you. Okay, I, <laughs> so I'm, I don't I'm know how to him, take that. I'm going to put him on in a minute. That. I'm going to put him on in a minute. But okay. I do want to say what you're talking about with this tribal stuff is, is what I'm talking about with the crime that Democrats can't even admit they, they're – they're so stuck into their cult and their tribe that they can't even admit it's Democrats. It's the people they have voted to power that have turned their once livable cities into shitholes. They can't admit that. They would rather continue to suffer and die than admit that. That's how strong the cult is. Yeah, exactly. It's how strong this this social reasoning is and and by, when i say social reasoning i mean the the premises which underlie one's logic are all about maintaining one's status within some social tribal infrastructure um and and those aren't the the type of premises that i think people should be 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 using at least not in the, at least it, that's not where we you know why we had the or that's not the what came what came out of the age of enlightenment was um, about um, elevating was about identifying goals and elevating reason and rationality to attain those goals. It was about putting aside all of this tribalism, in particular with respect to religion. 
and saying, no, we're not going to be dogmatic anymore um, and, and, and have at the base of our premises these religious beliefs or re religious affiliations. And, and, and we're, we're going to, from, from now on, as much as we can, we're going to identify you know, what our actual goals are, and we are going to use reason to try to, to attain those goals. Now it, it's going so ask backwards. I mean, what's the opposite of enlightenment? That's the age that we're in now. Yeah, I, I want to. I'm, I'm going to put Gator on one second. I want to uh, talk about a tweet. I want to. This is a tweet that Dave Rubin put out. Every single word Gavin Newsom says, he calls him a dirtbag, is a lie. Dude, stay in your communist shithole. Let us enjoy our free state, Florida, without your vile stench. It's my genuine belief that Gavin Newsom is evil. He is the antithesis of truth. He exists only to deceit in the quest for power. Everything he touches turns to shit except his personal bank account. Fortunately, he's so slimy and inauthentic, I don't think he can scale across the country, even with the NPC Dem base. Well, I, I do disagree with that. I think the Democrats are such ignorant fools. They would, uh, they would vote for Trump, uh, uh, Newman, uh, Newsom, Newman. Hey, Newman, <laughs> Newsom in a Newman. primary. <laughs> I don't think it would work in a general election except against Donald Trump. But oh. what Dave Rubin says is true. And it's what I've said about Gavin Newsom, that he's a he's a total political entity. He's not a real human being. Everything is about politics and advancing himself. And what happens is in that in the course of that, he destroys every everyone else and everything else. Yeah, yeah. It took, I, I, I saw that tweet. I totally agree with it. And, and as you made your little faux pas there, uh, I got a great idea. And that is, um, you, you know, uh, in Seinfeld, whenever Newman would walk into the room where Jerry was, uh, and <laughs> Jerry would say, Newman. Yes. <laughs> they should take clips. They should take, you know, uh, it probably happened a hundred times over the course of, of, of the Seinfeld uh, series. They should take uh, all those clips and just uh, dub in the words Newsom, you know, with that disgusting look <laughs> Yes. I'm curious, exactly. curious All right. Let's bring in Gator. Let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to have to make you a speaker, Gator, because it's the only way I can do this. So I'm going to invite you to speak, to speak, and then you can speak with Daniel. There you are. Hey, Gator. There, there you hey, go. Can you hear me all right? Hey. Can you hear me okay? Gator, you there? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, Gator. Hi, you guys. How you doing? All right. Pretty good. Cool. Thanks for thanks for doing this. Right. So sure. I'll try to be fairly succinct. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Yesterday you were talking about language and I I completely agree with you. I'm very much um, a stickler for the power of language over perception. That's fundamental. And you were right, Daniel, to make this point about saying don't adopt the language of the people that you know are perverting it. I know exactly what they're doing. I agree with you. It's incredibly Orwellian. It's new speak, double think all over again. And we've seen all of this, these constructs used in Mao's China, the USSR and various other countries around the world all the time to bend people's perception and also uh, introduce ideology through the new generation in school and that's again what we're sort of seeing in terms of some of the agendas that are in play now right now you make the point mike about um strong voters right and, and what people can get away with in the face of weak voters but i actually think that this, and this is kind of where i'm going with why i want your opinions 
I think that you have to accept the reality, which is that COVID shows you that there is no such thing, really, as strong voters. We're still in a, a world where, and we will always be in a world, where the reality of, of, of people is that most people are followers. They don't do anything. They do what they're told because of the herd. And they track the strong leadership, which is usually the ruling minority, or occasionally it's a spike of rebellious minority, right? right. And COVID shows us the Milgram experiment is true. Roughly 66% of people gave in with to the guy in the white coat, scaring the shit out of them or telling them some emotional message that they went along with and they indelibly injected themselves, right? The other 33%-ish basically rejected the idea, but they haven't been able to coalesce into enough meaningful spike power to is essentially initiate a rebellion. And now we're, now we're into this phase of bleeding ourselves dry, prosecuting the past into piecemeal legal um, challenges, right? And that's not a strong votorship. But what we're also seeing in Europe is the Dutch farmers being bummed to buggery and literally having their property appropriated so they're starting to get pushed to the edge and the french are are reacting a lot now i don't know exactly how bad that's getting because it's hard to know if all the footage is accurate and the timing and everything but they are still setting fire to stuff and i'd love the french for that i mean i lived there for for a while and um you've got to respect them for knowing that they can get up and burn stuff that's important right now how do you two feel about the validity of the concept that um, basically, even if you want to believe that we have voter power, you really have to accept that most people are weak and that really the change is only going to come from a very hard minority, but they haven't been pushed there yet. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Um, and this is something that... Um, this type of behavior that you're describing, <clears throat> people as followers, the depth to which it occurs across um, various demographics has been something that has shocked me over the years. As a scientist, I would have thought um, over, over my uh, the course of my career and watching people come up as young scientists, um, I would have thought that that they that they prize um, more than anything else reason, but. As you watch people go through their careers, beginning their careers, um, uh, midway through their careers, um, ending their careers, you, you, what you see is a, a behavior that is very much herd-like. There are across, and this is especially true in biological sciences, but across all sciences, um, you will see this herd-like behavior where people will adapt adopt, I should say, uh, certain methods. Um, but what we mean by methods in science is, is how one goes about their experiment, go about their experiments and goes about their analysis of those experiments. And you will see people at all levels just adopt people's methods that were published and they won't question them. They will simply say, oh, others like this paper they're kind of given that, you know, as, as though there were little likes and thumbs up on a paper. Um, they, they're aware that people like a particular paper, so they just wholesale adopt the methods, never questioning the methods, never um, asking, well, 
you know, is this method really valid? Because I see, you know, a confound over here and, you know, hey, I've, 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 I've checked through the, through the mathematics that underlies your method and, you know, you know, I don't, I don't see the mathematical justification here. Can you clear this up? This sort of thing runs all through science, but, but they, they just follow the people ahead of them when adopting methods. So-and-so uses method X and so-and-so is your supervisor. You're going to use method X and you're going to pass on to your students when you're a supervisor, when you're a PI, you're going to pass on, pass on method X. If method X by then hasn't gotten exposed as being shoddy and it's just this behavior where people pass on method to, from one to another as though it's this um, um a meme that is just uh, spreading across a particular field of science and and then someone will come along at some point and say hey the method is totally full of shit and then everyone just says oh yeah i knew that but i was going along with it that they will they will admit to people close to them well it's going along with it because that's the best way to get grants i had to yeah. write my grant i had to write my grant from that perspective because that's what everyone was doing at the time right and, and so all it's all about career building it's all about um so you, you don't stand up to to the tribe and in this case your branch of science you don't stand up to it you don't say hey um uh, you guys are doing this wrong. Instead, you just go along with it. And if you do that, you can make yourself a good career. Be a shitty scientist, but a good career. And when you're in science, especially in academics, a career, a good career is far more important than being a good scientist. It's awful. It's an awful situation to have to, to especially for young scientists, when they see this, that they're really making a choice between being a good scientist and having a good career. It's really, really disheartening position to be in, um, especially for, you know, young, young scientists, postdocs, or people that are just starting as a research assistantship. Um, it's, it's just when they see that, if, if they do see that, and, and a lot don't until, you know, they're quite a bit along in academics, but if they see that, it, it, it's, it's a really pivotal moment in their um, psyche with respect to, you know, how, why, why did they go into science? You know, why, why are they still in science? Um, it's, it's really a mind shifting, um, uh, revelation when they see this. Right. Yeah. I don't know, Gator. I mean, I think that I don't have much hope <clears throat> for voters in, in certain places. I mean, across the country, I, I have faith that, you know, the voters will do the right thing come next year. But when it comes to places like where I live in San Francisco and New York, I don't, I don't think it's going to change. Do you, do you think it's going to change in our lifetime, Daniel? I don't think it will. I, well, I'm not sure that it needs to change. So, so I think Gator is totally right that most people are followers, but that may be okay. It may be enough that even 10% aren't and that that 10% can have influence on those followers and that in the net, people do the right thing because of those 10%. Okay, so an evolution of this, and I just want to run by this by you both, is that if you now look at the, the drawback of the COVID wave, what's happening? You've essentially got the proponents backing off, reverse ferreting, asking for forgiveness bit by bit, okay, and then sort of running for the exits where they can. That's, that's generally starting to happen now. But at the same time, 
all of the quote unquote victims who were all essentially many of them were good Nazis and became biofascists because they towed the narrative and then they enforced it on each other and on uh, tried to enforce it on us. Okay, they are now in this realm where they're going, oh, fuck, we did make a mistake. I'm a victim. I need to be uh, joining the queue for reparations, right? Now, some people would argue that we need to have compassion for those people because they are indeed victims. And there's some validity to that because I, I know exactly how people were lied to. But the thing is, I'm actually got I'm I'm more brutal than that because while all of that might be a dominant narrative, hey, you're all victims. As long as we all get we all get money out of Pfizer and the government, then that'll that'll be the end of it, and this won't happen again. Yeah. But at the same time, I put to people on here and in other places something that they utterly hate, and it is this: if you are an individual and you believe in individual sovereignty which may or may not tie up to your bodily autonomy, and you believe that you live in a democracy, the shitty sandwich means that you are responsible for this, and you're responsible for your own shit. <laughs> and either you can like that and take responsibility and admit you fucked up, and you're not a victim of just Pfizer lying to you, you're a victim of not reading the documentation that you should have read, that I read, in December 2020 onwards. Now, put that to people, and they absolutely hate you because, for Fuck. obvious reasons, you're slapping them in the face, right? Yeah. Should I keep slapping them in the face, or should I just let them be? How can well, we... You know what? <clears throat> you're you're saying... Good. Let, me, let me pose a question to both of you. How, how could we have any faith in people? You talk about Gator. You do want reading the facts about Maybe you have to go on Google and do some searching and read some facts about the vaccine or whatever it may be. But when it says, literally says on the box of masks that they will not protect you against <laughs> respiratory virus, when they will not, th these masks will not protect you from COVID-19. And people still believe that those masks are going to magically protect them from COVID-19. Yeah. How, how, how can you get through those people at all? I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's, it's, it's been an important question all along. You're absolutely right. I mean, how do you get to those people, through to those people? Um, what, what, Gator, what Gator raised is, is something that I, I've been talking about since you know, early 2020 when I've, I've, I've heard people um, kind of, you know, kind of pr um, preparing for the for the case that they may be totally wrong about uh, COVID and that their hysteria was was uh, grossly misplaced, and 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 my response to them back then was, look, we're in a democracy here. Every one of us has a duty. Every one of us, whether you accept that duty or not, every one of us has a duty to stay informed. You don't rely on others to mm -hmm. inform you. You have to make sure. You have to ask those critical questions. It's your duty to this democracy. If, if you value this democracy, then it is your duty. And it's your duty because if you don't hold up your end of this bargain and democracy, then it is your fault when democracy fails. Yeah. If you do not keep informed with respect to critical questions, it's your fault. So, no, you don't forgive those people 
it, I mean, what is forgiveness in this situation anyway? I mean, what are you going to just say, okay, I accept your apology? No, <laughs> that's, that's, that's meaningless. Um, so, so what? Yeah. So what is forgiveness anyway? Here is is, is I think a, a maybe a fundamental question. Um, I, I'm certainly not going to to be forgiving anybody. I'm going to be making sure that they uh, apologize in a way that um, is is seen as an actual apology and. Those and an actual apology, an apology that means something, isn't just words. It is acts, acts that try to undo the damage that you have done. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with you. The the idea that you can have, uh, you a, a democracy requires an educated electorate, and I mean, if you and if you choose to be stupid, right, then essentially you have to accept that you don't live in a democracy. But the problem is that if you don't, if you don't, if these people, I mean, and, and I mean, I really mean this, um, if people do not realize that they aren't as clever as they think they are, and that they don't understand that the Dunning-Kruger effect, then basically, that guarantees you do not live in a democracy. And I can see that. And I think all of us here can see that. And when you go around to people and say, you do realize that this is the hardest test of both you and your democracy, and you failed on both. Obviously, I hate it. Now, I'm not really, uh, I don't care anymore about how society, how I make society or people in it feel, right? Because what I'm more interested in is looking at the threshold of which, at which people can be pushed to realize something else has to change, whether it's in them or in society. And um, that's why I kind of take the harder line now and just say, here are the facts. How could I have known this if I was not a technical expert and you all rejected me and told me to fuck off? And yet I'm the one who's right now and you're all lying awake at night wondering if you're going to have a heart attack tomorrow. That's basically it in, a, in some simple terms, right? I don't say it like that, but that's kind of the message. Yeah. And... And, and and then basically um, what I think happens is this. Essentially, people obviously emotionally shut down and reject that, right? And then essentially they hope that somebody else fixes this problem because they hope that somebody else's legal case wins out. Right. And, and then basically this will never happen again. But I'm telling them it will happen again because you've just proven that all of these mechanisms work. And all you need is an IFR of 20%, weaponized smallpox release in Djibouti, right? And then you'll go through this again because you will believe that this time the threat is really real. And then yeah. and then you'll start wearing a mask again. Yeah, and we've and we've seen it happen. I mean, it, not necessarily with the pandemic, but we've seen this this follower ment mentality happen. You know, so frequently with 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 horrendous um, consequences. I mean, just to name a few, there was the two thousand and three invasion of Iraq, where people mm -hmm. were were able to be uh, bullied and socially manipulated into thinking that uh, they had weapons of mass destruction. Mm -hmm. I mean. Despite the the comical comic level evidence that they had for you know actual cartoon drawings of, of biological and chemical uh, uh, um, laboratories on rail cars 
Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was just comical, but you could nevertheless lead people to thinking that the, the you know a mushroom crop cloud was in our, our future. And then in 2003, the uh, housing bubble in 2004 starts inflating and people, you, they were led to believe that housing prices were going to just keep going up, 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 up because, oh, they're not creating more land is what they were saying, you know, and and. And, and you, it's it, it's just it just boggles our minds, and obviously it boggles the three of our minds about how easily people are manipulated within these social structures. Um, I, I mean, it, it's human nature. It is just this is the way. I mean, this is the way our, we've evolved. And a certain percentage of us, if if, if part of this is at least genetic, um, this 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 willingness to follow. Um, uh, and maybe it's connected with one of the big five uh, personality traits like agreeableness, for example. Um, you know, this may just be what we have to deal with biologically, that, that the people, there's a lot of people that are just big time followers. And to some degree, every one of us are. But, you know, it's kind of uh, on a Here's something that actually is on the spectrum, possibly um, that just this um follower versus um, critical thinker. I don't want to say follower versus leader. I'm just kidding. Mm. Follower versus people that practice more critical thought. Um, and there may just be a, a fairly small percentage of people that are way over on the critical side of it. But you know what? We've we've evolved and we've survived for a very, very long time. So maybe evolution is has is is smarter than we are and it's telling us that you know if, if that number is 10 percent, you know that are really truly critical thinkers that's enough yeah well hopefully you know that's you know look i think what it comes down to is this idea of critical thinking it's it's a there's a reason why they don't teach this in schools right this is something they should be teaching in schools <laughs> i'm very forget about you know uh transgender crap or critical race theory but if they really wanted people to grow up to be great critical thinkers they would start teaching critical thinking but of course i think i spoke about this yesterday that part of the idea of critical thinking and i was talking about this in regards to journalism is is simply questioning the government narrative questioning the lines that were fed from the government right and saying well wait a minute let me let's check on that let's check on that and see if that's right or not. The same thing Gator talks about with people just investigating, you know, whether it was lockdowns or masking or, or vaccines or anything during COVID and, and saying, wait a minute, is any of this going to work? Has any of this ever worked before? What are the statistics on this stuff? No one ever did. No one did that. They just accepted what the government said. The media accepted what the government told them to say. And the people accepted what the government and the media told them. And that's it. And so... That happened for three years. Uh, guys, we've been through this a million times before. People closed their businesses. People uh, actively. Willingly. Uh, willingly, voluntarily, yes, willingly destroyed their businesses and their lives and their children. And I, it, uh, do I have any hope for humanity after the last few years? No. No. Yeah, it's certainly an eye opener. It's certainly an eye opener. But I, I still got hope for humanity. Humanity, but yeah, I agree with you. And I've said, you know, it was one. Uh, um, my 
my personality has changed over the last three years because of of what we've witnessed. Um, everything about me, yeah. my politics, what I value, um, where where I set my priorities, just every single thing that I can think about, what makes me me, has changed mm-hmm. over the last three years because of this experience of realizing what my fellow human beings are like. Mm. Well, okay, so. Look, this is where I'll draw it, try to tie it together. Mm-hmm. I strongly recommend that you do not believe just that Ron DeSantis is the answer, right? Or, or in, 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 in that race, okay? Because if you apply critical thinking to this, this is where I get to. DeSantis may have done what you find agreeable in terms of general policy, but you've got to remember, as I've said before, he was willing to adopt masking, right? And he and he did play, and he and he went along with that when he had to, and he and he did not completely oppose the vaccine. And you know, there's political stances here, right? But he did enough to be differentiated and respected for his stance, given the circumstances. And I will give him that. But when you look into his history, you know, going from governor to to president, but also he's got this whole thing about the torture stuff to do with his JAG Corps career in Gitmo, right? That's a dark shadow, which is going to be washed over because he's the, he's, he's the, essentially the neocon war uh, economy draft pick because he's got the background. He's got, he's got, um, he can separate himself from COVID and jettison that, that and be a clean break. And also if you look at his formation, formation of policy, like right, he's essentially treading this line that's trying to trying to be a compromise on the Ukraine narrative, right? Saying, no, we don't really like the money, the spending. But by the time he gets into office, if he wins, Ukraine will have ended. So he won't need to shut that war down. It will be, it's already shutting down, right? So he can say what he likes now in a way in opposition. But that's not his way, but that's not his fault. You can't hold him at fault for the fact that he's, he doesn't take office for two more years. No, but wait. So, so, so now compare him to Robert Kennedy Jr., Right. Just forget whether it's Republicans or Democrats. It doesn't matter. Just look at the man. Kennedy Jr. has got the critical analytical skills to literally pick apart the bones of not just COVID, the disease, but COVID, the vaccination, the entire um, regulatory, medical, scientific structures. He can apply clear analysis on in books over a long period of time that rips apart the entire captured vertically integrated pipeline of that business right mm-hmm. medical science right through to vaccine injection DeSantis can't do that right robert kennedy knows where the bodies are buried on all of this he knows that the cia killed both his uncle and his father he knows that sahan sahan didn't do it right and he also on that basis it actually goes against his own family now, environmentally, he is, knows how to use the law to extract corporate uh, wealth back out of those corporations to redistribute it. He's done that on the Hudson River, and he's also done it against Monsanto for glyphosate. That's the biggest corporate win anyone has ever had, ever. And he's actually managed to contribute to the zeroing of the value, market value of Monsanto. Great. Like, there so is literally let, no let, market have- value to Monsanto. Let's have RFK Jr. win the Democratic primary and Ron DeSantis win the Republican primary and let the best man win. Then, for the yeah. first time maybe in my life, in my existence yeah. on Earth, I will have a choice between the better of two greats, 
than the lesser of two evils, which is what's been said, the last. How, what's that? Said. Say again. Yeah, I, I totally, I, I perfectly said. I, I mean, that's that was absolutely. I mean, write that down. Remember that. <laughs> repeat that often. I'm not going to forget that it. Has never happened before in my lifetime. Yeah, uh, and, and I and I wish that upon us um, with all my heart. I totally get what, what Gator is saying, and but um, I just want him to know that um, uh, Ron DeSantis isn't my savior. Um, I'm going to be evaluating this as it goes along, and 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 if uh, if I need to, I will uh, I will switch from from where I presently see my um, uh, see my uh, from where my present uh, position. Well, but the, uh, once easily, again, I want to live in the real world here, and in the real world. The reality is politics now. Ron DeSantis has a immeasurably better chance of being the Republican nominee than RFK Jr. does of exactly. being the Democratic nominee. Exactly. Why? Why, Gator? Because the Republicans run fair primaries and the Democrats run rigged primaries. Yeah. And they will yeah. never let RFK Jr. be their nominee for the yeah. reasons you just stated. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Right. And this is my point. Under those circumstances... If you want those two guys to pick from, I urge you both to support both of them and do what you can to get both of them in. Well, who, so that who's you can... not? I've always said great things about both of them. Who yeah. am I going to support? Joe Biden? Well, well no, but I mean, literally, literally put the money in. You know, if yeah, you're going yeah. to get involved, bang them both in, right? To, to fuck the DNC over and force the DNC's hand as best you can. And obviously, DeSantis will probably get carried into that anyway, because because that's what he's, he's there probably their favorite yeah oh god gator yeah you, i you have fought this me. fight before with the dnc twice okay you know in in 2016 with bernie and in 2020 again with bernie and it's is it a fight worth fighting i don't know i fought it the way you just stated it twice okay all in all in for bernie sanders both times and got fucked over both times because as the democrats have said in court they are allowed to rig the primary if they wish yeah but yeah. I to- totally get it's not it's not democracy the primary is not democracy well, they you know it. That, it doesn't mean to say you should give up when he's probably the best candidate you're ever going to see i in my opinion yeah i i I, re- I really think gator's got a great point here and that point is um now is a good time to um make our uh, a vote with our wallet um um heard with respect to RFK, so even though even though I am totally siding and planning on voting at this point for Ron DeSantis, in order to get to that point, Mark, your ideal point of having to change choosing between two goods rather than two evils, in order to get there, maybe it might strategically be um, best for us to um, lend greater support. Uh, to to RFK, so we can have that that wonderful choice that we wish. We well, not necessarily had. because here, no, here's the a, problem. It's a tough calculation. I agree. This no, is no. He, he, I, I, to, to vocally about. on the show, I can give both Ron DeSantis and RFK Jr. equal time and, and, yeah. and praise both of them. But the problem comes, Daniel, is there is a decision for voters like us to make, and there are millions of us. And I'm just talking about you and me. But come March. When there's the Super Tuesday and the primary here in California, we're going to have to decide, are we voting in the Republican primary or are we voting in the Democratic primary? So let's assume that in March of 2024, RFK Jr., and and this might not be the case, he might not be on the ballot anymore by then, but let's, let's assume he's on the ballot 
and let's assume uh, Ron DeSantis is on the ballot. And the, and the basic choice is, which one are you going to vote for? Are you going to vote to carry Ron DeSantis ahead of Donald Trump in a very important California primary? Or are you going to vote to carry RFK Jr. ahead of Joe Biden? Here's well, why yeah. I... It's going to be... Yeah, no, it no. Could protect- it could potentially be a tough call. Is is I'm admitting to, to that. It could, no, no. But I'll only know. I'm, I'm only going to know as it as it as that time grows near. No, what I'm saying is, in the end, it won't be a tough call because reality bites. Reality does bite. Well, Here's yeah, but we don't know what the reality is going to be quite yet, Mike. Is, well, is, I, I'm is just saying. I'm let's saying. let's say let's say it's it's the way it is that it's, it's DeSantis and Trump and RFK and and Biden. DeSantis, RFK. Or, yeah, or Newsom. Forget it. Well, if it's Newsom, there's no reason to vote here. RFK has no chance to defeat Gavin Newsom in the California primary. It's not happening. But I don't believe RFK would have any choice to defeat Joe Biden in California either. So my choice would be simple. Vote for the guy who actually has a shot to win the California primary. I'd yeah, have to vote for yeah, Ron DeSantis. I, I, yeah, Mike, I, I'm not disagreeing at all. There's there's a number, a whole slew of factors that one is going to have to to weigh in one's mind if one is is thinking critically and if one is trying to incorporate as as many of the variables and doing their best at weighting the importance of there's there's going to be a whole bunch. Yeah, of no, stuff you want to see right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And, and, and when and when that time comes, I'm going to be here listening to you and listening to others trying to sort out. You know. Um, you know, well, you know, what are the chances and what are, the, what, what, you know, yeah, well, you know, it's, 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 you know, I'm going to enjoy the discussion because, you know, uh, there's, there's, you get, you get some good callers on your show. And they I point- would be pleasantly surprised if come January, February of next year, polls show that RFK Jr. has a shot of beating Joe Biden in California. I, I, I would be pleasantly surprised what I would expect is the polls would show Joe Biden ahead by 20, 30 points. Okay. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. It. So it's Newsom that's going to be the up as you said. Or Newsom. Or Newsom ahead by 30, 40 points. So, yeah. you know, once again, I don't want to waste my vote. That's the problem. I don't want to waste my vote on someone who can't win. I'd rather, I'd rather spend my vote on someone who can win. Yeah, that's a, that's that, that's that's an important part of the calculus. I t- I totally get it. Um, I'm just saying I'm I'm going to wait and see how this evolves. Um, politics can change very rapidly. Um, maybe we'll get lucky and um, RFK will be, RFK will be able to carry the day with respect to the Democratic primary um, by virtue of his integrity, and that everyone will by then because. They will have better understood what Newsom did to us in the last three years. Maybe they will see him as that evil monster that, you know, that you read the tweet, the tweet well, I was describing earlier. Maybe that will happen by then. And this I, tells I, I us, look, but this also well, tells us, Daniel, how warped the Democratic Party has become. Because you remember, you'll remember that before his father, Bobby Kennedy's father, was killed, he had a real chance to win the California Democratic primary, yeah. how things have changed over the last, what, 50 years, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, Democrat party, the Democratic Party is nothing like what it used to be. No, of course look, not. Remember, remember this about RFK, right? If he is going to be suppressed from all of the media because of the threat that he really presents to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's eloquent, he's intelligent, he's numerate, and he knows how the system works, and he's produced 
legally incredible results in terms of suing massive corporations, right? Which means right. that he knows a game plan of how to prosecute people, right? Now, when if you pitted him literally against Gavin Newsom, intellectually, he would shit all over Gavin Newsom, right? So anything that he can do to get the airtime to basically turn around and say, Gavin, whatever claims you make about your policy in California, I can show you the data, the evidence, and, and even spell it out rationally and emotionally, that you're talking shit, right? He, Newsom won't really be able to compete. And the thing about RFK is you can't character assassinate him other than calling him an anti-vaxxer, but he's able to soak that up because the data's all on his side. All you need to do is say, well, if I'm at such a problem with the anti-vax, why has Switzerland abandoned it? Why have the Norwegians abandoned it? Why are these why are these people up in court? Why is AstraZeneca up in court? Why are all you know, and he starts pulling out the data, right? So he's kind of got a, a he's kind of got a, a no lose argument. I just Gator, I agree he has a no lose argument. But all of us had a no lose argument of when when you look at the facts and the evidence, but the people in this country are just too influenced by the media, and the media will just destroy him. Yeah, 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 I agree. Anti-vax, anti-vax. No matter what he says, no matter what the evidence says, no matter how much he comes out and says, but this, but this, and this, and this, the media will just say, you're an anti-vax lunatic, and the people will believe it. The Democratic voters will believe it. I think the Republican voters would like him more. They wouldn't fall for that shit, but the Democratic voters will. Yeah, but but by then there might be enough Democratic voters that um, have come to the realization that yeah, uh, we've had totally screwed over the last three years. I mean, yeah. that happened with Iraq. Um, you, you saw 80 percent of their entire population uh, was all for invading Iraq. But, you know, two years later, it was flipped. Twenty percent were and it, it, both Republicans and Democrats realized that it was a huge mistake. So. But we've we've got we've got some time and some learning on our side. Yes. But with Iraq, the media also flipped. If you think the media is going to flip on this COVID stuff and they had to because it's not going to happen. I know. But the media had to because of the facts. I mean, that's kind of what what Gator is saying saying here um and and so facts are, are but those uh, facts, facts were are really annoying little things <laughs> but those facts were easier to lay out they were clearer than these facts because even with people dying suddenly people are saying well yeah young people die suddenly all the time shut up you crazy tinfoil hat anti-vaxxer so those these these facts are just not as clear uh, are, they're not as easy to to uh to, to show to people the way the Iraq war facts were, you see? Well, yeah. Because the gaslighting will be people die suddenly. Shut up, you tinfoil hat nut job. No, but look, look. Right, but, the, but, the, but this is going to take time to convince people because these are going to be statistical arguments. And so as more statistics are gathered, the argument's going to be easier and easier and easier. And there may come a time before 2024 election when people realize those that were the followers and, and like I said, it may be only the 10 percent is necessary, evolutionarily speaking, to, to get us out of all the, the possible um, shitholes that the followers can get us into. Um, you know, it, it may be by then that there is enough evidence out there that is going to sway a huge part of the population. And even if RFK can't win when, when it comes to um, Newsom, he could, for the reasons Gator has stated, do him tremendous damage. Mm. Yeah, look, 
definitely think think of this, right? Like it or not, even if it's a complex narrative, the, the media narrative on COVID shots is changing slowly because it has to, right? Because there's simply a force of push in terms of cases of damage that, 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 that is unfortunately having to permeate the media. Now, that is going to pick up at some point because the media needs to defend itself. And the side switch is part of the way that they defend themselves, right? Exactly. Because yeah, now at that point, at that break in the wave, that's where you go. There's now a bit of a gap. The RFK might start becoming the the attack of anti-vax starts to diminish from him because actually people in their own realization go shit. If he was saying the right thing, it doesn't matter whether we call him anti-vax or not because he actually was fucking right, right? But also at the same time. You've got about 30 plus percent of the population in the US who definitely didn't take this thing, right? right? And there's only one person in the candidacy who you could align to if you didn't take it. The right? problem is, Gator, that ma- majority, the overwhelming majority of those people are Republicans, not Democrats. If you were to split it up, and they have in polls between Republican and Democrat, yeah. uh, I think about 90% of Democrats took it. Okay. Now, what I, I agree, right? So that would obviously favor DeSantis, obviously. But what I've no, noticed, you would favor Newsom or Biden in the primary, you know. So, <laughs> well, no, the, the, the guys you're saying are, who are majority Republican, right? But, yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is that um, I, I I do think that you shouldn't underestimate the possibility that there's a lot of blue voters who between now and some critical point of vote, whether that's the primary you're talking about or whether it actually gets towards the end, who will 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 slowly realise how fucked over they've been medically. And essentially, they will actually end up being, there'll be enough people who go, shit, mm. I, I actually cannot vote for anyone in the blues <sighs> apart from him. Because well, he, because he actually is the guy who knows what he's talking about. But might, yeah. that could happen. Don't give up on that. I, I don't know. I'm not confident that's going to happen. I'm hopeful, but not confident. Let's put it that way. You know, I just don't. I but can't wait. have an optimistic view of Democrat. Follow your own advice. You have you have influence. Use it. Just try to manifest. The <laughs> try that's to manifest. The you no, want. I know it. Right, and I believe that that is getting behind him. To be yeah. honest, no matter what. No, sure. Look, I look. It would be glorious if the two choices come November of next year were RFK Jr. and DeSantis. I mean, I just to me that's a it's a you know it, it's it's a it's a fantasy really. But if that were to happen, like I said, for the first time in my life, I would have a choice between the better of two goods than the lesser of two evils. But I don't I don't have confidence that that will happen. I really don't. Fair enough. Just one other thing I need to point out, and it will take 10 seconds. Yeah. Somebody I know has done some investigations, the websites of Marianne Williamson and RFK. Mm-hmm. And what they found was that Marianne Williamson's site is being run and powered by Act Blue. Mm-hmm. And recently... She has um, she has dropped that obvious branding, and obviously, Act Blue is a um, partially rigged towards the DNC, a database, or, of course. or so, it, so it's mm. rumored, and mm. also has um, has has increasing. Well, Project Veritas is now flagging 
that Act Blue is a fraud mechanism that's being used to literally provide fraudulent funding donations, literally through people, real people's identity. Mm. It's essentially identity theft, right? Yeah. That's powering Marianne Williamson's website. Look at Team Kennedy, and that doesn't use Act Blue, and it uses apparently a proprietary database, right? So what you can say if this guy has has done his research right is that Marianne Williamson is literally the DNC authorized Bernie Sanders stand-in, okay, who is probably involved in um, data mining direct for DNC and possibly even going to be a pathway for fraudulent funding for the DNC through Act Blue. Sure, yeah. No, I think she's a phony. I mean, she not for once did she ever come out against any of the draconian COVID mandates and measures. Never once did she say anything. The only time we've really heard from Marianne Williamson are when there's a Democratic, you know, election campaign, yeah. presidential election. You she know, so it's it's not periods of time like a Fetterman. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not. She's 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 a fraudulent person. You know, I mean, she. she First of all, she's her head's in the clouds half the times. You know, she's a Zen, one of those Zen people. Yeah, whatever. She's, I, she, I, she's a nobody. But you're right. You, when you say that, that's very possible. That's very possible. They're Democrats. She's a useful idiot for them. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, she's a she's a Bernie yeah. two point zero shit right. shill. Um, well, nation, nation builders the uh, the website for RFK's yeah. junior site that right. Murphy's the guy who did. Hey guys, I'm going to get to some other stuff before we. Yeah. We, Cheers, so guys. Thank, thanks you. for the call. This Stephanie was a yourself. great. Thanks, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very thanks. much. Yeah, thanks, Gator. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, take it easy. Yeah, that was a that was a really great three way. That was your Cheech, next time get in. We can have a four way. The more the merrier. Remember, I live in San Francisco. There's still some things I um okay. So <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, uh speaking of uh let's see, San Francisco. We we talked about the the crime. We talked about poor Bob Lee and how the politicians here blame everyone but themselves. Donald Trump, Elon Musk, everyone. Elon Musk, Donald Trump, they're to blame for the crime here, not not uh, not themselves. Um, Bud Light, let's go back to Bud Light. And what they've done is they've reportedly paused all marketing on the Dylan Mulvaney stuff after the backlash. Now listen to this, and let, let me ask you if you believe this or not. Bud Light's backpedaling on their decision to partner with transgender media personality, Dylan Mulvaney. Daniel, I'm reading a news story. Those aren't my words. That's the verbiage of the article. Transgender media personality, Dylan Mulvaney. We'll change it. Let's do some editing. With dude, Dylan Mulvaney. With dude, Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, Anheuser-Busch's decision to promote the trans influencer has been faced with severe backlash. Reports are now surfacing that no one at the senior level gave the green light for their new marketing campaign. Does anyone here believe that the senior executives at Anheuser-Busch didn't give the green light? That you don't have to get the green light from them? before doing a marketing campaign, especially this kind of a marketing campaign? According to two sources familiar with the matter, the Daily Wire reported that the decision to feature Mulvaney in an advertising campaign aimed at younger customers was not authorized by any high-ranking executives in the company. 
No one at a senior level was aware this was happening, one anonymous source said. Some low-level marketing staffer who helps manage the hundreds of influencer engagements they do must have thought it was no big deal. Obviously, it was. And it's a shame because they have a well-earned reputation for just being America's beer, not a political company. It was a mistake. According to the Daily Wire, the company was likely going to implement a more robust process for evaluating controversial figures in the future to avoid another public relations nightmare. The claim that a lower-level employee was allegedly behind the Mulherry campaign comes after two female VPs at the company had previously championed inclusivity at the company. The company has now reportedly put a pause on the campaign, by the way, because they have lost over five billion dollars with a b after promoting the marketing campaign featuring mulvaney the new vp of the brand Alyssa heinerscheid criticized his reputation and core customer base for being fratty and promoting out-of-touch humor bud light has sponsored events such as pride parties and festivals but in 2019 the bud Lights released a limited edition rainbow colored aluminum bottom bottle uh during pride month so does anyone believe this? Does anyone believe this? Now, I guess if you if you do believe this, the only way this could possibly happen is that the people at the senior level have been doing this inclusivity thing, right? So they've been probably putting out memos, right? Inclusivity, inclusivity, we're now for inclusivity, blah, 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 blah. And so that may have given people at a lower level the idea to do something like this. But I cannot believe for a second there isn't a chain of command you have to go through in order to get something like this rolling. I can't believe that. So I think they're just using this as an out, as an excuse to get out of it, saying, well, the top execs didn't know about it, and now the top execs know about it, and they don't like it, so we're going to end it, right? Instead of just saying everyone knew this was going to happen, everyone was full speed ahead with this and then when it the shit hit the fan and they saw the backlash and they lost billions of dollars they decided to nix it i think that's more likely what happened i don't believe for a second this didn't go through the top brass not for not for a second i think they're just scapegoating the people at the bottom as they always do right that's it they, they're just scapegoating them you know so i i don't think that uh, I think this is I think Daniel came up with this slogan. I want to give him credit, which is go woke, go broke. It ain't no joke. That ain't no joke. I like that. Go woke, go broke. That ain't no joke. Maybe, maybe this will turn a corner when it comes to these companies getting involved in this wokeness, getting involved in politics. Look, if you're Disney, just sell your fucking rides and your stupid movies. All right, they're not all, right, all stupid. Some of them are pretty good. But just stick to the entertainment business, all right? Stick to the entertainment business. If you're Budweiser, stick to the beer business. We don't want to hear your ideas about politics. Don't get involved in politics. That's not your job. There are plenty of people whose job it is to get involved in politics. They're called politicians. They're talking heads. There are people like me who do things like this. We don't need Disney and Bud Light and all these other companies getting involved in politics, okay? There's no need for it. And maybe when they start losing money over it, right? Maybe when they start 
you know, coming up against the people or coming up against a governor like DeSantis in Florida who pushed back on it. Maybe they'll stop this. This is just ridiculous. All right. This is like our um, celebrities who win awards and start making political statements. We don't want to hear about this. Sports teams who continue to do this ridiculous woke virtue signaling pride nights and trans nights and all that. We want to watch the game. We want to watch baseball. We want to watch hockey and football. We don't want to watch political posturing. That's not what we're in it for. A couple of other things. Not shockingly, not shockingly, there's a video that shows, do you remember, well, you know, Justin Jones, he's one of the reinstated. I still don't know how that happened. And no one has given me a, a proper explanation. That's how they were reinstated. But Justin Jones stopping cars and assaulting drivers in the summer of 2020. Remember the the riots in the summer of 2020? Well, uh, Justin Bautista, Bautista Jones is his actual name. Uh, there are videos out there on Earth that show him stopping cars and assaulting drivers during the summer protests outside the state capitol in 2020. Jones had claimed at the time that the narrative that he was violent was false. Well, the footage proves otherwise. They will try to push a false narrative portraying me as violent as a way to deflect from their own actions. They will suggest I am out of order. That is their strategy. However, I'm hopeful for the chance to present our evidence in a transparent manner, Jones tweeted. And then the video comes out and shows him lying. He lied. Okay. Uh, in June of 2020, Justin Bautista, known, better, no, better known as Brother Jones locally, was one of the publicly visible protesters at the state capitol. He received a lot of pushback from his own community after it was discovered that he was often only making appearances when he knew there would be media coverage. What do you know? A media whore who became a politician and eventually had a falling out with one of the most visible members of the group. Throughout the time, he has faced over a dozen charges but always denied that he was violent, despite multiple assaults, assault on an officer, and reckless endangerment charges. In the newly obtained video, one of his assaults was captured and presented to the grand jury, and he was indicted on two counts of reckless endangerment. On Monday afternoon, Jones, a Democrat who was expelled for leading the anti-gun protest into the storming of the Capitol, was reinstated to the House. The Nashville Metropolitan Council voted unanimously to reinstate Jones. All 36 members of the council voted to reappoint him as an interim representative for the 57th district. Jones had claimed that his removal was due to white supremacist system. Of course, what else? What else? It's incredible. Look, does it, does this shock anyone? Really, does this shock anyone? These are low-lived criminal scum who are elected to office. Once again, what faith are we to have in the Democratic voters who elect criminals, who elect criminals to office? They elect criminals to office, and then they claim that Donald Trump is a criminal. When they elect people who are proven criminals to public office, they have no ground to stand on. They have, they're such hypocrites in every way possible, in every way possible. And they're constantly, time after time after time, being proven to be hypocrites, all right? And 
They can scream racism all they want. That's all they do. We know that. We know that. When things don't go their way, they scream racism. When things don't go their way, they scream sexism. Just as, shock of all shocks, Nancy Pelosi has when it comes to people calling for Diane Feinstein to step down. Okay? That we, we you had to know this was coming. Okay, Diane Feinstein, who's 89 and and can't ever do her job because she's too gone mentally, now also has shingles, they say. They say she's had shingles for 2 months. I've never heard of someone having shingles for 2 months where they can't they can't they can't leave their house for 2 months because of shingles. Hey, what happened to the zoster uh, vaccine? It doesn't work. Anyway, so Rokana, really one of the only Democrats with like any kind of uncommon sense whatsoever, rightfully call for her to step down. All right. And he was even nice about it. He was nice about it than I did. He said she had great contributions to the Senate and so on and so forth. But it's obvious she can't do her job anymore. So she should uh, step down now. Okay. God forbid it at ni- almost 90 on the precipice of 90, she should be asked to step down. God forbid that's so unfair, so unfair. So what does uh, Pelosi say? She says, well, I've never seen them go after a man who was sick in the Senate. Excuse me. What did we just do to Don John Fetterman? Is he, is he not a man? Is he trans now? Does he identify as a woman? Imagine that thing. Identifying as a woman. That would be perfect. Wouldn't it be perfect if John, if John Fetterman transitioned? <laughs> but what do we just say about him come on what do we say about joe biden is he a woman we're constantly saying then that these people aren't the fit so what is she talking about she's just making shit up as she always does because she knows to her voters in california to the people in san francisco that will resonate they'll say yeah you're right sexism sexism everything is racism or sexism to these low lives everything also she says that diane feinstein is sick like she has a fucking cold like she has the flu she's demented her brain has melted away she's almost 90 she's not sick she doesn't have a cold she doesn't have a cough it's not like a week of nyquil is gonna make her better she's gone mentally she's been gone mentally for a while now Sick. My ass sick. But once again, once again, everything is racism or sexism or someone else's fault or Donald Trump's fault or Elon Musk's fault. These people cannot take responsibility for anything ever. Anything ever. Let me put the simple... Joe Biden's unfit for office. John Fetterman's unfit for office. Diane Feinstein's un- unfit for office. The Democrats are causing, cr- causing crime and the destruction of our American cities. That's the reality. Like it or not. That's the reality. What is this thing, by the way? I'm just transitioning here. I'm trying to do something a little bit lighter. But what is this thing that's happening with with Schwarzenegger? So there was a a pothole (laughs) that they wanted the city to fix, right? And no one fixed it. And there were his neighbors, and I guess his very affluent 
uh, part of Los Angeles where he lives, were starting, their cars were going into this ditch or this pothole and it was ruining their cars and they were complaining about it. And so Arnold went out there with a couple of other people and he decided to fix it himself. But evidently he wasn't supposed to, that it was something else. I'm trying to get this, yeah, I'm trying to get the story straight, but it, it was some, yeah. See what Arnold Schwarzenegger wishes he could run for president. Yeah, of course he wishes he could run for president. But it looks like, I can't seem to find the story now, but evidently he wasn't supposed to fix it. It wasn't really a pothole. Oh, here, here it is. Let me, let me try to get this story. We'll try to end on something light. Arnold Schwarzenegger filling a pothole sparks controversy. So he filled two potholes in Brentwood, very nice area of LA. Uh, after being hailed a hero for filling a pothole, Schwarzenegger's good deed has not gone unpunished, with the city claiming he interrupted scheduled maintenance for a service trench. A city spokesperson clarified that the location is not a pothole, but rather a service trench that relates to active, permitted work being performed at the location by SoCal Gas, <laughs> who expects the work to be completed by the end of May. A city spokesperson later told Fox News Digital that work began on January 26th to upgrade the pipeline system on Mandeville Canyon Road, where temporary paving was applied. Standard procedure followed by SoCal Gas includes permanently paving the area within approximately 30 days from the conclusion of work. However, the city saw complications due to extraordinarily wet and inclement weather. The expectation now is that we finished by the end of the week. A representative of Schwarzenegger believes the city is being careful with their wording to imply Arnold prevented their gas line work without directly saying it because it's not true. According to Schwarzenegger's rep, the former California governor actually filled in two potholes and only one of them was a service trench. In photos taken by Schwarzenegger, a hazard sign can be seen in the middle of the road blocking off a significant portion of the street. A second photo shows another pothole which allegedly was not a service trench. The city's first response to this news was that the service trench would be filled by the end of May. So it appears their plan was to close one lane of a two-lane road. Well, this really is amazing because this really shows how screwed up California is, or as, as Arnold would say, California, that no one can figure out. You know, it's like there are so many potholes. I, I can't totally blame Arnold, even if he filled in this, this uh, service trench. I, I can't I can't blame him because as I ride down the streets of San Francisco, it's truly like I feel like I'm in like Afghanistan going through the roads in Afghanistan. And, and it, it's, it's, it's like a third world country. It's like a third world country. And you say, where's all the money going? Where's all our tax dollars going to? This is a city where you can't even drive down the street. The streets are not even paved properly. Okay, in San Francisco, the street, your, your, your car can get ruined. You go into so many potholes going down the streets here and they never pave them. And where's our money going to? Where's this infrastructure, Pete Buttigieg? Where's this great infrastructure here? Yet, yet they want money for reparations for black people, for slavery. Yet they can't even fill potholes here. That you can't even drive down the streets in San Francisco without feeling like you're off-roading. So I can't really blame Arnold. I can't really blame him, even if he filled in something he wasn't supposed to fill in. You know, what do you want? The guy's 75 years old, you know. So there's that. Um, 
but I guess to, to wrap up today, um, we are in a very dark place here where we know there are problems and potholes are the, the least of our problems here in San Francisco and other Democrat run cities. But we know crime is up. We know that homelessness is a huge problem. We know that we're entering a new phase here. Remember, people used to always say, well, but the homeless aren't violent. They're the ones who are targets of violence. And that used to be true, but it's not true anymore. A lot of the homeless people here have a lot of mental issues that make them violent, whether it's a schizophrenia or something else or drug addiction. Uh, and and they, they are violent. That's the problem is the homeless people here also create a lot of the violence. They're the ones committing the violence. So we're in a different age now, okay, where the homeless are indeed violent. The homeless are indeed committing violent crimes. And we have city officials who, instead of taking the responsibility, and voters, instead of holding these people responsible, are just itching to be able to blame someone else. They're just itching to be able to blame Republicans who have had no part in running these cities for decades, if ever, some of them have never been run by Republicans. Okay. They want to, they want to blame Elon Musk. They want to blame Donald Trump. They want to blame a techies. They want to blame everyone but themselves. And until the voters start holding the elected officials accountable and voting in people who will actually make their lives better, we're in a very dark place where this cult, this this absolute cult of, of political party, where you cannot admit that your party's not getting it done, that you just can't admit it. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's it's and, and the and the cult, the religious hold is so strong that even if your life is at risk, even if you're friend's life, your mother's life, your father's life is at risk. You will continue to vote in people who put you at harm, you and your loved ones and your friends in harm's way, because your cult belief, your tribal hold is so is so strong that you can't seem to you can't seem to change. You can't seem to change, even for a short period of time. And that's sad. So yeah, Gator and, and Daniel and we were talking about voters. I don't have any, uh, you know, faith that things are going to change anytime soon. I don't have any faith that the Democratic voters, if the system were even fair, would would nominate uh, RFK Jr. over Biden or, or Newsom. I have no faith in that whatsoever. No faith. Like I said, even when their lives are on the line in the cities they live in, they won't vote for the right people. They won't stop voting for the wrong people. And that's very sad. And as you know, if you were listening to the beginning of this show, very angry, incredibly angry. Murphy, you talk about partisan outlook. You talk about partisan hold. That's exactly the problem with the voters of San Francisco are. They have such a partisan hold in their cult of Democrat that they won't look outside that. And you hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. Well, this person's running. 
they can't run as a Republican. If they're running in Chicago, they can't run as a Republican. Or they're running in New York, they, well, they can't run as a Republican. You're running in San Francisco, they, they have to run as a Republican. They have to run as a Democrat. Why? Why do they have to? Because of the religious cult-like hold that people have on their political party, that their party has on them. And they can't break free. Those are the words I'm looking for. They can't break free of it, even if it's for their own good, even their own lives and livelihoods are at stake. Yes. Well, no, okay, yeah. You mean de Democrats are offensive, corrupt shits? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they are. Of course they are. There's no doubt about it. But once again, it's, uh, it's not really even about corruption. It's about the voters holding them responsible. The reason these people can do what they do is because they're voted in. They're voted in. And they can say and do the most outlandish things, like, like blaming Elon Musk, blaming Donald Trump when it comes to the crime situation, that they know the hold they have on people. They know the bell whistles. They know that they know what to say to get their voters riled up and ready to vote for them again and to blame everyone and anything but themselves. So, you know, once again, do I have any faith this will change anytime soon? No, I have no faith this will change anytime soon. But once again, they say this in, uh, well, when you go to like, um, the ther therapists will say this stuff and they'll say this when it goes to like groups, counseling groups that you have to hit with any kind of a addiction, you have to hit rock bottom, whether it's alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever it may be. Maybe this addiction to the Democrat Party just have they have to hit rock bottom. And I don't I don't know what rock bottom is because you would think we would have hit it about twenty times already, but maybe we haven't. Maybe the the rock bottom. Who knows what rock bottom? Boy, if we haven't hit it yet, who knows what it's actually going to look like? But maybe. They have to hit that point before they wake up. But I don't know what that point is. I don't know how much more, how much more can they take? I don't know. Anyway, uh, I think we're going to move along and uh, wrap the show up. But I do want to remind everyone that tomorrow is Friday night, big Friday night, end of the week show, politics, uh, current events, and uh, a movie review for you. I'll, I'll be reviewing Renfield with Nicolas Cage. So you might want to listen in. If you're not doing anything else on a Friday night, listen in. If Even if you are doing something else, put a little earpiece in your ear. They, they, they have them now. They're called earpods, and you can actually listen to the show. All right? The name of this show is And Let's Be Heard, and it airs, it airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern Time. But until tomorrow night, this is Micah Chopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>